The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank believes communities thrive when individuals succeed. Working together, we can help create economic opportunity for all. Good morning. I'm James Hellman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, June 26th. In today's news, Bob Mueller agrees to testify next month on Capitol Hill. Republicans dismiss the latest sexual assault allegation against the president. And prosecutors say a California congressman illegally used campaign money to pay for at least five extramarital affairs. But first, the big idea. The immigration wars are killing people. There's a heartbreaking image going around this morning of the drowned bodies of a refugee from El Salvador and his baby daughter lying face down on the bank of the Rio Grande after attempting to cross the U.S. border. Her arm is draped around his neck, suggesting she clung to him in her final moments. It has sparked outrage and humanized the extent to which President Trump's policies are putting the lives of many migrants at risk. The searing photograph distributed by the Associated Press of the sad discovery of the bodies highlights the perils faced by mostly Central American migrants fleeing violence and poverty and hoping for asylum in America. The man in the photograph, Oscar Alberto Martinez Ramirez, was frustrated because he and his family were unable to present themselves to U.S. authorities and request asylum because of the new Trump policy. The recently implemented metering system has dramatically reduced the number of migrants who are allowed to request asylum down from dozens per day previously to sometimes just a handful at most ports of entry. So Ramirez swam across the river with his daughter, Valeria. He set her on the U.S. bank of the river, and then he started back for his wife, Tania Vanessa Avalos. But Seeing him move away, the little girl, we don't know how old she was exactly, threw herself into the waters. Martinez returned and was able to grab Valeria, but the current swept them both away. His mother said her son and his family left El Salvador on April 3rd. They spent two months at a shelter in Tapachula, near Mexico's border with Guatemala. She says she begged them not to go but he said he needed to provide for his family and there was no way he could do it if he stayed in El Salvador. Like so many of our ancestors, he set out in pursuit of the American dream. Now he is dead and Tania is waking up this morning at a shelter for migrants south of the border without a husband and her daughter. Last night, the House of Representatives passed a $4.5 billion emergency border aid bill that includes provisions requiring better treatment of migrant children in U.S. custody. These provisions were added to secure passage amid bubbling anger over Trump's handling of the crisis. The 230 to 195 vote, largely along party lines, followed a flurry of last-minute negotiations among Democrats who said they've been horrified by reports of the poor conditions that overwhelmed U.S. Customs and Border Protection facilities where unaccompanied children are being kept. The bill's passage sets up a high-stakes negotiation with Trump and Senate Republicans to deliver aid days before a looming deadline. A week after beginning his re-election campaign with promises of mass deportations, 
Trump yesterday sent the agencies responsible for immigration enforcement deeper into disarray by replacing his interim border chief with a figure he plucked from cable news punditry just last month. You heard that right. Mark Morgan, who Trump installed as acting director of ICE in early June, will now take over as acting commissioner of Customs and Border Protection, replacing John Sanders, who the president pushed out. The shakeup comes after weeks of interagency squabbles and political knifings among agency officials. Since April, the president has purged nearly all the top officials remaining at DHS from the beginning of his term. These are his people that he's purging, leaving every immigration-related U.S. agency with an interim leader at this point. Immigration hardliners in recent days have been pushing Trump to remove acting DHS Secretary Kevin McAleenan at the very moment when the policies McAleenan has been advancing, including a deal with Mexico for an unprecedented immigration crackdown there, are finally beginning to yield some results. U.S. authorities detained more than 144,000 migrants last month along the Mexican border, the highest level since 2006. But preliminary reports indicate fewer have been crossing in recent weeks and others are being turned back by Mexican military forces. McAleenan is en route today to meetings with officials in Central America, where the Trump administration is seeking a separate accord that would allow the U.S. to send asylum seekers back to the first foreign nation where they step foot after fleeing their homelands. McAleenan had challenged the feasibility and the timing of the ICE raids that Trump announced over Twitter last week and then agreed to postpone over the weekend. Morgan, on the other hand, pushed for the operation to go forward. There's some speculation inside DHS that the decision to move him from ICE to a loftier position at Border Patrol was some kind of consolation for losing out to McAleenan in that fight. One person who has spoken with Trump about immigration recently said the president has been hearing from senior immigration advisor and nativist hardliner Stephen Miller that, quote, everyone at DHS is weak. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this hump day. Number one, former special counsel Bob Mueller agreed reluctantly to testify before Congress in a public session on July 17th about his investigation. The House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees said that pursuant to a subpoena, Mueller has agreed to appear before both panels back to back. Impeachment proponents hope Mueller's testimony will increase public support for ousting the president. At the very least, his testimony is certain to provide the headline-grabbing made-for-cable-television testimony that Democrats have been seeking since that 448-page report dropped in April. Still, some Democrats are trying to temper expectations. Privately, they fear that Mueller's much-anticipated testimony won't live up to the hype that has been building around him for months. Number two, the news that another woman has accused President Trump of sexual assault landed with barely a political whimper. When the allegation by magazine columnist E. Jean Carroll emerged Friday afternoon, there was little response from Capitol Hill. Uh, Senators were gone for the weekend and members of the House were rushing through votes so they could leave town. On the presidential campaign trail, Democratic candidates didn't raise the topic as they spent the weekend wooing voters in South Carolina and preparing for the first debates, which start tonight at 9 Eastern on NBC. The muted reaction to the claim by Carol, who said Trump attacked her in a dressing room at an apartment store more than two decades ago, reflected a sense of resignation among Democrats that the president will never face serious political damage from accusations of sexual misconduct. 16 women have now made allegations of sexual misconduct against the president. Republicans remain largely silent 
about Carol's allegation. The one political figure who has brought the most attention to her story, frankly, is Trump. He's denied it, saying he did not rape her because, quote, she was not my type, end quote. Number three, federal prosecutors allege in a new court filing that Congressman Duncan Hunter used campaign funds to facilitate at least five extramarital affairs, including three with lobbyists. The government wants to show jurors evidence of the intimate nature of these relationships at his upcoming trial. A filing alleges that the California Republican used campaign money to fund trips, dinners, and drinks with women with whom he was romantically involved, and Uber rides. It wasn't just the trio of lobbyists, but also a woman who worked in his congressional office and another who worked for a member of House leadership. In the new filing, prosecutors allege Hunter's romantic entanglements blossomed as he used the campaign money to fund big things like ski trips to Lake Tahoe or vacations to North Carolina. Hunter declined to address the allegations of affairs when he was reproached yesterday, but said he'll fight the charges in court. He says it's a political smear campaign. Hunter and his wife, Margaret, were charged last year with using more than a quarter of a million dollars in campaign money to pay for family vacations, theater tickets, and other personal expenses, including golf. Hunter's wife, earlier this month, pleaded guilty and agreed as part of the plea deal to, quote, tell everything. Amar Kempa Nahar, a Democrat who's challenging Hunter in 2020, says he was, quote, literally in bed with lobbyists. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, June 26th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>